Good evening. Good to see you back this evening. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Perhaps you have noticed that I don't stand during the song service, and I thought maybe you need a word of explanation. I've been seeing the doctor with my back, and I have two options. I can either stand during the song service, or I can stand during the preaching. So I've chosen to stand during the preaching. Although I will point out to you that Scripture says, and Jesus sat to teach. I would try that, except that I am so graceful I would probably fall out of the chair. Thus, we'll just stand. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. If you don't need this, you can just close your ears. This is for me. He cares for you. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, I could ask you this evening to raise your hand and ask you how many of you would say that your life was out without any burdens, any concerns, or any worries. Most of you would raise your hand, and the rest of you would just be lying. So we don't want to put you in that position. Even if we're not literally wringing our hands in worry, we, we have things in our lives that we're concerned about. Billy Graham said it this way. He said the badge of the earlier generations was calloused hands, but the badge of our generation is a furrowed brow. I think he probably is right on target. So I want to speak to you tonight just on the subject of that God really does care about you. And for my good friend Charles, these are three points, and they all begin with an I. (laughs) And no, there is no outline. You have to write it down if you want it. First of all, our impasse, our problem. We have a load of care. There are a lot of things that we can be concerned about in this life. Obviously, we can have concerns about our family. That's our, our, our wife, our husband, our, our children, our grandchildren. We can be concerned about our finances, whether that's current debt or about insecurity about our future. We can be concerned about health, whether that's the health, our own health or someone with the, that we care about. Obviously, we can be concerned about world conditions, the next terrorist attack, the national election, whatever it may be. Unfortunately, we just can't throw that off and say, well, I'm just not going to be concerned about any of those things anymore. But we can deal with the anxieties that it causes. And a lot of this has to do with what we believe about God. You say, well, I don't don't see that. Well, stay with me just a minute. I want you to understand. The Lord has invited us to cast all, all our care upon him. And this evening, 
the most important thing that you believe in life is what you believe about God. Unfortunately, our beliefs about God can be distorted by a lot of things that we have in our lives here on earth. We can get an inaccurate view of God because of painful experiences in our past. They can distort our view of God, what we think our Heavenly Father is like. What other people in our lives tell us that they believe can distort our view of God. Even our own insecurities can distort our view of God, and certainly our sin can distort our view of God. And the end result is that we end up, we end up with an inaccurate picture of God. Some people think of God as some sort of impersonal force at work in the world, like the old Star Wars movies. The force be with you. He's some kind of, it's some kind of impersonal force at work in the world. Others think of God as some distant deity who formed the earth and put it into motion, but really doesn't have a lot to do with it anymore. For others, God is kind of like an angry tyrant. He's just waiting in heaven with a clenched fist, ready for you to do something wrong so that he can bop you on the head. When we don't have an accurate picture of God, we tend to create one that we're comfortable with. You have probably heard someone make this statement, and it is probably one of the most erroneous statements in the world. I like to think of God as, and you fill in the blank, I like to think of God as this, or I like to think of God as that. But I'd like to respectfully submit to you that your opinion of God really doesn't matter. Neither does mine. What matters is truth. God is not some impersonal force at work in the universe. God is not some temperamental tyrant looking for someone to crush. God is not some distant deity who flung the world into existence and then lost interest. What I want you to understand this evening is that God is alive and well and that he cares about what happens to you. Now, the verses I read to you are verses that I often quote at funerals because I think it reveals how deeply God cares about what happens to people. Let me read you those verses again. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Peter is probably quoting from Psalm 55 in verse 32, which says, cast your burden, that is, release the weight of those burdens upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. That is, he will never allow the righteous to slip to fall, or to fail. 
The important thing to remember here is that there is no person who is excluded from God's care, nor is there any aspect of our lives that is excluded from his care and his concern. You may or may not have ever stopped to really consider how much you need a Savior, but you do. If you didn't need a Savior, then Jesus would not have left heaven, come to earth, and died on a cross for you. He wouldn't have wasted, he wouldn't have wasted the effort if you didn't need someone to rescue you. Remember when the angels came at Christmas, the announcement they made was rejoice, a Savior has been born in Bethlehem. We all need to be rescued. The second thing that I want you to note, not only our impasse, our problem, but secondly, our invitation. And the invitation is quite simple. He says simply, cast all your care upon him. Like I said, we can't just simply do away with all the trouble in our lives, but we can come to the point that we know what to do with the anxiety that it creates. The Lord invites us to take that anxiety and to cast that anxiety or those cares upon him. Now, notice he gives us something that is all-encompassing because he, first of all, says, cast all your problems on me. Peter's use of the word all is very interesting. He encourages us to cast all of our cares upon God. For some reason, contemporary Christians, Christians who live in our day and age, have evolved some kind of pseudo-sophisticated thinking that we have worked out a system a system about what kind of problems that we like to bring to God. And we have said, I have said, perhaps you have too, I don't like to bother God with my little problems. I just bring the big ones to him. Of course, the truth is all your problems are little ones to the God of the universe. None of your problems are far-reaching to him. Oh, pity the Christian whose warped theology does not allow them to have problems and does not allow them then to bring those problems to God. Ian McLaren said it this way. He said, what does your anxiety do? It does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it does empty today of its strength. It does not make you escape the evil. It makes you unfit to cope with it when it comes. God gives us the power to bear all the sorrow of his making, but he does not guarantee to give us strength to bear the burdens of our own making, such as worry induces. Worry, obviously, is one of the most ineffective uses of time possible Because it changes nothing. It divides our mind and it multiplies our misery. It subtracts from our happiness, but it never adds anything. What is the antidote for the Christian? What is the Christian alternative to worry? Well, that's found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He says, be anxious for nothing, 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. What we must train ourselves to do is to redirect our energy, the energy that we have used in the past to be anxious and to worry, which is destructive, we now need to turn to prayer, which is constructive. When we feel anxious, then we ought to use it as a call to prayer. If we just simply took the time to write write down the things that we're worrying about, we automatically have a prayer list. Secondly, we not only need to bring those things to God, all of our concerns, but we need to remember to leave them there. There are obviously exist areas of legitimate concern for even the strongest believers. But the pressures of even legitimate concerns are not to dominate us or make us habitually anxious or worried people. This means that we have to recognize the feeling of pressure and of concern as a call to prayer and immediately turn to the Lord and lay our need and the needs of others before him. In truth, most of us as Christians don't have any problem casting our burdens on the Lord. Our problem is that when we get done, we tend to take the burden back with us. We tend to go back and pick it back up. We make the mistake in kneeling and taking our burdens to the Lord in prayer, and then when we get up, we take the burden with us. Like the old song, the hymn says, we are to take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. And then the last thing is the incentive. The incentive for he cares for you. I think the last words of this verse touch on a secret fear that we hardly ever talk about. The fear that somehow that God really doesn't care about us. When we get right down to it, we sometimes are just not quite sure about God. We're not quite sure about whether he really cares about what happens to us. Many times I've used the story of Martha and Mary as recorded in Luke chapter 10. In that story, Jesus and his followers are guests in the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Mary is sitting at the feet of the master, soaking up every word he spoke, but Martha, concerned with being a good host, is beside herself with worry and anxiety. She's worried about providing for the needs of her guest. Finally, her feelings boil over and she explodes in anger. And she says to the Lord in Luke chapter 10 and verse 40, Lord, do you not care? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. I want to focus on the first words of her statement for a moment. Lord, don't you care? 
I don't know if you've ever said those words, but I suspect you have at least thought those words. You've thought something along this line, Lord, I'm hurting here. Things are getting pretty rough. Don't you care what's happening to me? But of course, the answer is that the Lord does care. His reply to Mary provides both a diagnosis of the problem and a solution for Martha's anxiety. He said, Martha, Martha, you are worried. And he uses the same word that is used here at 1 Peter 4, 7, and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. The one thing that Jesus spoke of, of course, was to fall at his feet and to cast our worries and our anxieties upon him. He does care. Charles Murray was preparing for the summer, the summer Olympics. He was a student at the University of Cincinnati. Because Charlie had never been in a religious family, never gone to church, when he first met the Christians in his life, they started talking to him about how much God cared about him and how God wanted to have a relationship with him. And he was, quite honestly, skeptical. But he was interested. So over the semester, he talked to his Christian friend about God's love, about God's plan, about God's rescue and how much he mattered to God. And then one night, he decided to call his Christian friend up. He said, tell me again those verses in the Bible that says God cares about me. And his friend shared those verses. After he hung up, he decided to go over to the school pool to do some practice diving. Because he was preparing for the Olympics, he had special privileges and he could use the pool even when it was closed. At the University of Cincinnati, it is an enclosed pool and of course the lights were off because it was closed. But it had a glass ceiling and there was a full moon that night and he could at least see to get, away, get around inside. He climbed up to the top of the diving platform. He turned around to do his dive backwards. He stretched out his arms, and when he did, the moonlight coming through the ceiling showed his shadow on the wall that formed the shape of a cross. He looked at that, and for the first time, Charlie felt God's love. He realized that Christ had died for him, and that's how much God loved him. And in that moment, on the 20-plus foot diving platform, he sat down and he opened his life to God. He said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and make a difference. And he became a follower of Jesus there 20 feet up on the diving platform. He was sitting there in the dark when about five minutes later, a janitor walked into the building, suddenly flipped on the lights, and it startled Charlie. He got up, and as he looked down, he saw that the pool was empty and had been emptied for repairs, he suddenly realized that he really did matter to God. Someone cares about you. Somebody deeply cares about every 
area of your life, and that somebody is named Jesus. The Phillips translation of 1 Peter 5, 7 says, You can throw the whole weight of your anxiety on him, for you are his personal concern. The New Living Translation of that verse says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. I believe that is good news. That there is no person who is excluded from God's care. Nor is there any aspect of their lives that is excluded from his care and concern. Worry chokes the life out of faith. Not only does worry not help us to overcome difficulties, it makes us unfit to deal with those that we have. I like the way that Warren Wernsby explains what happens when we give all of our cares over to the Lord. He says this is what we gain. He gives us courage to face our concerns and cares honestly and not run away. He gives us wisdom to understand our situation. He gives us strength to do what we must. And he gives us faith to trust him to do the rest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can know that you care about us. Probably the strongest of us have to admit that from time to time we wonder how the God of the universe could care about me and about every small and insignificant detail of my life, and yet you do. Lord, it may be that there's someone here this evening that has never stopped to realize how much you love them, how much you're concerned about them, so concerned that you sent your son to rescue them, to rescue them from their past, from their sin, and that all they must do is accept what Jesus Christ has done on the cross of Calvary, recognize that he has paid for their sin. Repent of their sins and turn and ask that he would forgive them and that they can have a place in heaven beginning right now, right here. All of us, Lord, need to be reminded that we are special, special to you. We have a special place in your heart. And just as we love each one of our children, you love each one of your children. And you love them supremely. And so, Lord, we ask that you would remind us of your love and your concern and your care. And may it encourage us and empower us to live for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.